You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. Uh, we are in a series entitled, We Can't Stay Here. And uh, if you're new or maybe today is the first time that uh, you've decided to join us, we've been in this series uh, for the last six weeks and all kind of leading up to a big, generous offering that we're going to give at the conclu- conclusion of this uh, sermon. But we've been looking at the life of Joshua and how he has been leading the people of God to inherit the promised land. We've been applying those lessons to the vision that God has given to us here. God gave Joshua and the people a vision to inherit the promised land. God's given us a vision to make disciples and to create space for people who aren't here yet. And that's what the auditorium next door is really all about. And so uh, we are asking you today to take the next step uh, of faith as a church with us. And this isn't the final step, but it is the next step. And, and uh, today we're going to conclude by giving a generous offering today, a one-time gift. And we're also going to be asking you to make a commitment to give for the next year. So above and beyond what you typically give to the church and make that commitment uh, together with us as a staff, as a church, as a ministry, all really in, in, in light of God's vision to make disciples and to create space for people who need Jesus. And, and as we serve in this church and as we give uh, toward this vision, what we're really doing is we're establishing and creating a legacy of faith. It's a legacy of faith in this city as we create and God builds his church here that will outlast me, will outlast you, and that will be here as a gospel-centered ministry uh, by God's grace uh, for years to come. And it's also about establishing a legacy in your own family, in your own life. And our service and our giving uh, really helps create and establish that legacy. And that's really what I want to talk about today uh, as we look at Joshua chapter 24. He uh, begins to speak to them. It's kind of his farewell uh, sermon and message and word from God to them. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Joshua 24. And as you're turning there, though, I do want to read what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 to really kick us off today. Jesus says this in verse 19 of Matthew 6. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so the essence of what Jesus is saying here is anything that we build for our kingdom Anything that we invest into our kingdom eventually is going to get spoiled. It's going to rot, become rotten. It's going to rust. Uh, it's not going to last. But anything we invest into the kingdom of God will last forever. Essentially, the, the goal is not for us to live on earth forever, but it's to leave something that actually does And I think that's the essence of what Jesus is trying to teach us here. We're not trying to live on this earth forever, but we're trying to leave something behind that actually does. And so as we give and as we serve, what we are doing is we are accelerating the vision. We are fueling the vision here to reach more people for Christ. And as more people come to faith and as more people grow in their faith, more people attend. And so as more people attend, it's our responsibility as a church to create more space. And so that's the heartbeat of how we are investing in this vision. What we do for ourselves usually dies, but what we do for others lives beyond us. 
And so as we think about that today, as we think about investing in the lives of of, of those in our city and in the lives of the next generation, what we're doing is creating a legacy of faith. And I hope that is in fact your heart today. As Joshua speaks to the people here in chapter 24, it's on the heels of, of really distributing all of the inherited land to the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we, we spoke from chapter 10 last week, the sun stands still prayer, the people of God defeat their enemy. And then from chapter 11 all the way to chapter 23, it's kind of the story of the people fighting other nations, winning and taking more land. And then Joshua dividing up the land. And here in 24, as we conclude, this is Joshua's farewell leadership sermon from God to the people as he comes to the end of his leadership and his career uh, before them. And so let's look at verse 1 and 2 here of 24. Joshua gathers all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders and the heads, the judges and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. And he goes into this this scene of remembering what God had done. He talks about Abraham and how Abraham was a pagan idol worshiper. And out of God's grace, God calls him and gives him a mission and he saves him. And then from this promise that he gives to Abraham, he creates this nation and we call them the Israelites, the people of God. And And because of their disobedience, they are ushered into Egypt to be slaves. God hears their cry. He sends a leader, Moses, to lead them out of slavery. And then God provides and watches over them as they uh, wander in the desert. And finally, we see Joshua here in this series leading the people of God across the Jordan to inherit the promise that God had given to them, that he was going to give them a new land. They've been homeless. God gives them a home. And so he goes through that whole story. And I think it's important for us to realize that if we want to leave a legacy of faith, we need to make a habit of remembering what God has done. Remembering what God has done. If you want to leave a legacy of faith in your family and in this church, in this city, you need to make it a habit to remember what God has done. How do you do that? Well, you share the stories of God's work. This is what Joshua is doing. He's, he's remembering and he's sharing the story of God's work in his life and in the people of God. And so I wanna encourage you to think about that today, to share stories with your family, to share stories with your kids, to share stories with your small group about the work of God in your life and how he has shown himself to be faithful. If you don't share those stories, then it's hard for your kids to pick up on this. It's hard for your church family and those around you to understand just how great God has been in your life. Many of you weren't around when we planted this church. And, you know, it it really kind of started back in 2007 when when God really began to give my my dad a a vision to plant a church in Maryville. And, and, uh, you know, a couple of years pass, he's praying about it. He invites me into that discussion and and, uh, we decide to plant a church because God, we felt like God was leading us to do that. And and, uh, we planted a church in in Maryville. We started in Maryville Christian School with about 100 people. And And uh, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. We didn't know if anybody was going to show up or keep coming. And we didn't know how we were going to necessarily pay for everything in the days ahead. But we had faith. And guess what? God showed up and God was faithful. A little bit later, we decided that with 130 people, we were going to buy a bar and bowling alley. 
And we thought, hey, this could be a pretty cool church. And so uh, with, a, with 100 people, we, 130 people, we decided to make that move. And we didn't know how it was necessarily going to get paid for. But those 130 people committed and they sacrificially gave and they sacrificially served because they wanted to leave a legacy of faith and because they believed in the vision that God had given to this church. And guess what? God showed up. God came through for us yet again. Not long ago, we moved into this room, and so we've been in this room for about three years, and, and uh, it's because of, of many of you in this room who had come after we moved into this building, and, and you gave, and, and you served, and, and you stepped through the, the opportunity that, that God gave us at that time to give and to invest, and, and now you look back on those days, and you remember how God was faithful, and how God uh, allowed your kid to come to Christ, or Maybe God blessed you in a way, you know, spiritually, and you've grown during this season. Maybe you've seen a coworker come to know Christ, and, and yet again, we stand back in amazement, and we say, yeah, God came through for us again. We went from one service to two services to now three services, and God continues to send and bless people as they connect here at FC. And some of you are fairly new. Maybe you missed out on, on that opportunity, but the good news is that God is just getting started. He's just getting started here, and he's given us a new opportunity and a, and a new step of faith. Again, it's not our final step, but it is the next step of opportunity, and each of us here today get to make an investment into our legacy of faith. And maybe, just maybe, I'm sure it's going to happen for you because in one year or two years or five years from now, you'll look back on this day and this season of your life and how old your kids are and where you're at in your life, what stage you are in in life. And you'll remember that as you stepped into the vision on this day, and then you're going to see that God blesses you in amazing ways. You're going to see maybe one of your kids accept Christ. Or you're going to see someone you never thought was going to darken the doors of a church uh, building actually come because of the ministries here at FC. And you're going to step back like we have stepped back. And we're going to remember what God has done. And you're going to tell the story. And you're going to say, just like I'm saying today, God came through. God blessed. And God grew and this is where Joshua starts the sermon. He starts this talk by saying, hey, if you want to leave a legacy of faith, you've got to remember what God has done. And so you share those stories. Now look at verse 13. Verse 13, he says, he says, God, he says, I gave you land. This is God speaking to them. He says, I gave you this land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them, and you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, this is important. If we want to leave a legacy of faith, we got to get this. Like, like he's reminding the people that you inherited all of this land. God blessed you with this new home. You didn't build it. Somebody else built it, but God gave it to you. You didn't build this city, but God blessed you with the, the, the fruit of someone else's labor. You didn't plant those vineyards. You didn't plant those olive trees. But God blessed you and allowed you to enjoy those plants in this city and these homes. You see, there's a hidden cost to growth. They didn't have to plant those vineyards. They were already there. And listen, somebody had to plant them, though. Somebody had to work them. If you want to leave a legacy of faith, you've got to appreciate the hidden cost of growth. There is a hidden 
cost to growing and being a part of a church that God is using. People came before you that you didn't even know that paved the way for a church like this to exist. And we get to experience that blessing today. And as we move forward, we've got to appreciate the hidden cost of growth. Let me explain it like this. Uh, Several years ago, my kids uh, were whining about wanting a dog. And they would come to me and they would say, Daddy, we want a dog. Please get us a dog. And and we would, we would have this discussion, and they would say, we don't, we don't want a little, little dog. We want a big dog, Daddy. Please get us a dog. Please get us a dog. Any parents ever have this conversation? And I would say, who's going to take care of this dog? And they would say, we are, Daddy. We're going to take care of this dog. And I would say, who's going to feed him? We're going to feed him, Daddy. And I would say, who's going to walk him? We're going to walk him, Daddy. Who's going to clean up after him? We're going to clean up after him, Daddy. Well, three years ago, after a very strategic uh, whining of three years or four years had passed, uh, my kids are persistent. My wife and I decided on Christmas three years ago that we were going to get them a puppy. And so we researched and we read and we did the whole thing and we got so excited. Mike and I were probably more excited about this than my kids were. It was, it was awesome. We loved it. And we, we had to drive really far to pick up this dog. And, and then it was Christmas Eve and I remember rushing home and, and, and hiding the dog in our room. And, and then I came over here and preached a Christmas Eve message. And then we ran home and, you know, hid the dog. We were making sure he didn't, you know, didn't make any noises. And, and uh, we, we woke up Christmas morning all excited. The kids did their, their presents and they were spread out and everybody was happy. And it was just, a, a, you know, a great Christmas. Christmas morning, and, and after everybody opened their gifts, I said, but wait, there's one more. And Mike and I went out, and we got the dog, and we put the dog in the box, and we put the lid on the box, and we came out, and we were so excited, and, and we put the box down, and they were, they were like, what is going on? And, and they start to open this box, and when they take the lid off, and they see this cute, adorable little puppy that we would later name Brutus. He's a golden doodle, by the way, very manly dog. And And when they saw this dog, tears of joy, laughter filled the air, fireworks started to go off in our living room. It was incredible. We absolutely loved this moment. And my oldest daughter, Bailey, she reaches in and she grabs this cute, adorable little puppy and she holds him and embraces him in her chest. And she says, thank you, daddy, so much. She looked at me and she said, daddy, I feel something warm. And she pulled that cute little puppy away from her, and that dog had peed all over the brand new jacket that I had just bought her, a very expensive jacket that she had just opened. And that was the first expense of a very long list of expenses, time and energy that that dog has caused me over the years. I don't have time to get into it, but that dog has chewed on every kitchen chair we have around our table. We bought a brand new ottoman. I was so happy to have an ottoman that I would kick my feet up on and enjoy, right? And he chewed half of it. He chewed a hole the size of Texas in that thing, and I had to throw it in the garbage. Guess who has to feed this dog? Me and Micah. Guess who has to walk this dog, people? Me and Micah. Guess who pays for all the vet bills? Me and Micah. When that dog eats a sock, 
and he vomits that sock up in the corner, guess who cleans up that mess? Micah does. I don't do that one. I'm not doing that. It's too gross. But see, there's a hidden cost to pet ownership. There's a hidden cost to owning a dog. But can I tell you this? When my kids wrestle with Brutus and they laugh and they have a good time, it's all worth it. I love that dog. When, when my kids, uh, oh, or we're watching him and he does something stupid like chase his tail or whatever and we all laugh, all worth it. When one of my kids is upset or, you know, struggling with whatever, he has a tendency to take his big fluffy head and he'll walk over and he'll just put his head on their lap because he can sense something's just not right and it's, it's all worth it, you know? So there's a hidden cost to pet ownership, but there's, but there's, there, there's this part of me that, you know what, it's so worth it. I, I love that dog. Now listen, there, there's a hidden cost to being a part of a church that God is blessing and using. Um, I'll start with our sending church, Grace Baptist in Knoxville. They, they, they sacrificially gave and provided a lot of resources so that you and I could, could experience this church today. Um, my, my dad, under his leadership, uh, he had to sacrifice a lot. He, my brother, and others, um, while they had the heart, while they saw the vision, there, there was a group of people that didn't want this to happen. There was a group of people that, that fought against this, and so there was a lot of criticism, and there was a, a lot of disunity that, 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 that tried to happen in, in that season of ministry, but you know what? They pushed through because they saw the vision. There's a hidden cost to planting churches. There's a hidden cost to being a part of a church that God blesses in this way. And for you and I, we have to come to this understanding that someone paid a price for you to sit here today. There were many that came before me. There were many that came before you. And they gave and they paid a price before you and I even showed up. They sacrificed. Someone else did the work. Someone else paid the price. And we could trace that lineage all the way back to the early disciples. There were people that carved the, the community here in Maryville. There were people that started a church called Grassy Valley that, that became Grace Baptist Church, that became our sending church, that made us who we are today. Folks, we stand on the shoulders of a lot of men and women who have paved the way for you and I to enjoy this church and to be a part of a city where we can freely share our faith. There's a hidden cost to growth. We have to recognize it. We need to see it. And the question we have to ask is, are we willing to pay the hidden costs in the days ahead so that other people can find a seat as well? The next section here, beginning in verse 14, Joshua continues, and he calls the people to make a decision. He calls them to make a commitment. He says this in verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness and put away the gods that your father served before, beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I get chills every time I read that passage. What an incredible commitment. I think what he is calling the people of Israel to decide is what I want to encourage you to understand today. 
And that is if you want to live a, a life and, and, and leave a legacy of faith, you've got to decide today whom you are going to serve. Decide who you're going to live for. Decide who you're going to run after. Decide who's going to be the, the center of your life. Joshua says, look, regardless of what you guys do, regardless of the decision and the commitment that you make today, I'm going to serve God. My family and I, we're going to serve the Lord. Don't you love that? Don't you love the boldness that no matter what culture does, no matter what everybody else is doing, despite what seems normal uh, for families, Joshua takes a stand. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live for him. He's saying we aren't going to worship any other God. We won't allow our children to take part in anything else. We won't allow our focus to change. We won't allow our worship to belong to any other. Our heart's affection will beat fast for the glory of the Lord. I love this commitment. I love the, the leadership that he shows. And guess what the people do? The people respond. And they say, absolutely, we're going to serve the Lord. And they go into a section here uh, at, at the end of this chapter where they're saying, yeah, we remember what God did. It was God who, who gave us this land. It was God who made the sun stand still. It was God who tore down the walls of Jericho. It was God who brought us over the Jordan River and blessed us and gave us this land. Yes, we're going to serve him. And they do. Flip over one page. The next book in the Bible is, is Judges. And it picks up on the story here of Joshua. And I think the next section is important because it shows that they do live out what they committed that day. Verse 6 of Joshua, uh, Judges 2 says, When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance and to take the possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Look at verse 10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Joshua dies at 110 years old, and while the memory of God's greatness and the work that he had done for Israel was alive, the people maintained their devotion to God. So as long as Joshua was alive, the memory was alive, and the people served the Lord. And the generation who were elders and that were with him during that miraculous event of inheriting the promised land during their lifetime, they all served the Lord. But there arose another generation, the second generation, who hadn't seen the work of God who hadn't experienced it. And the scripture says here that they did not know the Lord. And as a result, as they grow up, they intermarry with all the other religious uh, and, and, and false worshipers around them. Because the Israelites were commanded to drive out all the inhabitants, but they didn't do it. They let some people stay. And as a result of letting some people stay and not being obedient to God, now you have all of these idol worshipers around you. Some of these kids in the second generation marry some of these folks. And as a result, they grow up, some worship, some build altars, and the worship of the one true God is dismissed and God's anger burns against them. And the rest of the Israelite journey is kind of this up and down cycle of, okay, we, we worship Baals and the idols and we hit a valley and then all of a sudden, in, in judgment, God sends another nation to come and, and, and war to come upon them. 
and then they repent and they turn and now all of a sudden then they would follow God for a while and after a season they would dip again and they would serve the idols. God would bring judgment, they would repent and it's this up and down battle and I think what we see here is exactly what someone said a long time ago. I don't know who gets credit for this but it's been said that Christianity is one generation away from extinction. If you and I are not diligent today to pass down a legacy of faith to the next generation, they will in fact grow up and not know the grace and love of Jesus and they will not serve him. That's why it's essential that if we desire to leave a legacy of faith in our family and in our city and in our church, we must, we must, we must invest in the next generation. We've got to invest in the next generation. Building this facility next door is saying yes to the next generation. It's saying we care about you. We want you to have a home. The people of God did not pass down this legacy of faith to this second generation. And the question that you and I have to wrestle with is, will we? Will you and I pass this legacy of faith down to them? Not long ago, it's been a couple of years, I guess, Uh, We were in a creative meeting. I was with Landon and James, a couple other guys, and we were uh, preparing for our our marriage conference that we were doing that year. And if you've been to our marriage conference, we we always like to have fun. And so we we like to do some, you know, uh, like some rock songs, some rock band songs, some love songs and that kind of stuff that kind of fun during the week. And so I was getting creative. I was really in a creative zone. And and, uh, I was like, hey, I know what we should do. We should sing some Air Supply. And uh, Landon, who's our student pastor, he's in his 20s, he looked at me and he said, who? I said, air supply. Man, you don't know air supply. Now, I, I was raised in the 90s, but my brother and my sisters were raised in the 80s, so they passed down this legacy of 80s music to me. So I, I really like 80s music. I love it. And, and so when you talk about air supply, it's near and dear to me. Any air supply fans, you know? I'm like looking at Landon, I'm like, you don't know air supply? I mean, come on, I'm all out of love. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. <laughs> Anybody want to go with me? <laughs> I know you were right, believing for so long. I'm all out of love. Yeah, I could go on for days, guys. I mean, I mean, you you look at their their playlist and, uh, girl, you're every woman that I want. I mean, that was my jam when I was a kid. You know, girl, you're every woman in the world. They sing really high. To me. I could go on. Look, I love it. And so I'm trying to educate him, and I'm thinking, who failed Landon? Was it his dad? His dad's name is Chuck. Did Chuck fail Landon? Was it Chuck? Or was it Landon's hard heart? His hardness of heart to 80s music, and he refused it. I don't know. I think the reality is it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. His hardness of heart and his dad's failure to pass it down. And and really what's true is in the scripture, whose fault is it? Was it the first generation's fault for not passing it down? Or was it the second generation's fault for for being hearted towards the work of God? Well, the actual Hebrew word here helps us to explain it. And and, and I want you to know, like at our church, actually in my family, I'm not trying to raise uh, children to survive the world. I'm raising children to change the world. And when I look at our family ministry, we're not helping mom and dad raise kids and equipping these students just to survive this world. We're, We're calling on them to change it. 
And for us to see and to do that, they can't just hear about God. Like they have to know him. It says here in verse 10 that the second generation did not know him. It's the Hebrew word yada. The Hebrew word yada, not yoda. Yada. <laughs> I watched Star Wars this week with my kids, and, and, uh, and, and so my eight-year-old daughter, she came out, and she was like, Daddy, I didn't know Toyota was going to be in it. It's like, Toyota, his name is Yoda, honey. I'm failing to pass on the legacy of Star Wars. But it's the Hebrew word yada, and it, and it means, it, it's, it's more than just no. It's, it gives us this understanding that, yes, the, this first generation failed to communicate God's work. But it also means that the second generation didn't acknowledge God's work in them. And so they had a knowledge of God, but they didn't acknowledge God as the Lord of their life. They didn't acknowledge God as the authority in their life. Knew about him, heard about him, had the right information about him, but that information didn't lead them to transformation. And I believe there's probably some folks in the room here tonight that know a lot of good theology. You know about God. But that knowledge hasn't transformed your life. You, don't, you know God, but you don't know God. You know about him, but you don't have a relationship with him. And folks, that is why the first generation didn't pass it to the second generation. They didn't know him. They didn't experience him. We have a generation of young people with a lot of information at their fingertips. They have the ability to gain any amount of knowledge that they choose, all the information they can get. But the question is, will you and I be the ones who will model to them what it actually looks like to allow that information to lead to transformation? Now, parents can't force their kids to love Jesus. We understand that, but the scripture does tell us to disciple them. And as a church, it's our responsibility to partner together to help disciple this next generation. And so it's vital that as adults in the rooms, whether you have kids here or not, as an adult in the room with students in here, parents in the room with kids in here, that each of us model what it looks like to worship Jesus with all of our heart with passion. It's vital that our children hear us talk about Jesus and hear biblical counsel, not just pop culture counsel. They need to see that we are truly in a relationship with Jesus. And if we show up at church and we are grumpy and irritated and we don't look engaged and we're not excited to be here, then shame on us for teaching our kids about knowledge, but not showing them how that knowledge has changed our heart. Shame on all of us. We can't just talk about it. We have to model it. So whether you're a parent today with your kids here, or you're just an adult who just decided to worship at Foothills Church, you're a part of investing in the next generation by how you live and how you model your life. And so they need to see us passionate about Jesus. They need to see that it's real in our heart. They need to see us giving to God's church. They need to see us serving in God's church if we, in fact, want to leave a legacy of faith. The generation after Joshua, they didn't experience slavery in Egypt. 
They didn't know what that felt like. They didn't experience the miracles in the desert. They didn't cross the Jordan. They didn't see the walls of Jericho fall. They didn't see the sun stand still. They didn't fight any battles. They just got to experience all the blessings of those that came before them. So if all you do is enjoy and you don't invest, you'll never appreciate the work of God here. Let me say that again. If all you do is enjoy the ministries of this church and you don't invest in the ministries of this church, you will not appreciate the work of God here. Who are the people who are the most excited about the work of God in this church? I'll tell you, it's those who are most invested. You will not appreciate something that you haven't invested in because it's impossible to appreciate something that you're not invested in. Let me illustrate it like this. Uh, my my uh, love for basketball is high. You know that. I, I played basketball. I teach my kids how to play basketball. My oldest three kids uh, play the game, and so I get to teach them. My youngest daughter, she's all about cheerleading, so uh, I, I didn't get her, but God gave me three, right? And so I'm, I'm okay, and, and I pour a lot of energy and time into teaching them, you know, what I know about it. And uh, the other day, my son's middle school team, he's in seventh grade, was playing against a team who had a 6'10 guy on the other team who was unstoppable. <laughs> Bryson's what, 5'2", five 5'3", five somewhere around there. This guy was 6'10". He was blocking shots. He had a couple dunks. I mean, he was just scoring at will. You can just imagine this, an eighth grader. So when Bryson makes a move, gets kind of on a fast break, and it's a one-on-one situation between him and this 6'10 guy, I'm thinking in my head as this thing is unfolding, oh, dear Lord, <laughs> please Please let him pass the ball or, or pull up for a shot or, or don't let him get killed. And this guy's going to eat his lunch. And as he drives in on this guy, he takes the ball and he, he makes a fake, a move that we had worked on a hundred times. He fakes the pass and the 6'10 guy couldn't resist it. And he goes for the pass, which opens up the lane and Bryson scores a layup on him. Now, as a dad in that moment, I wanted to stand on my feet I wanted to cheer and I wanted to flex like Hulk Hogan. I wanted to run out onto that court. I wanted to pick him up on my shoulders and I wanted to scream, we are number one as we want run out of that gym. But we were getting beat by 20. <laughs> and that wasn't the appropriate setting. And as I looked around at the rest of the, the audience, nobody else was as excited as I was. Why? Why weren't they excited about this move? This was the move. We worked. I'll tell you why. They, they haven't invested into Bryson like I have. They weren't there at 6 a.m. They're not there in the driveway. They weren't with me at the gym when we first taught that move and where he's like, I can't do this. It's too hard. And yeah, you can't just keep practicing. You can do it. You see, I've invested a lot of time and energy into that. And so when I see something like that happen, I get pretty pumped up. And here's, here's the reality. As parents, you guys have done the same thing. When your kid have, has, has done well at the recital or in a game or, or they brought home the grade and, and you studied with them or you worked with them, you're excited. Why? Because you're invested in them and in that situation. And those that are the most excited here at FC, most excited about giving today, are those that are the most invested my question for you today is, are you going to be invested in the life of Foothills Church?
and the ministries and then the vision that God has given to us because I believe that you won't appreciate it. You won't appreciate what God is doing unless you're invested. Our facility is it's getting close. Uh, guys, can you show a picture? You're starting to see now that it's starting to look a little bit like that. You know, the windows, glasses in, stones coming soon, and it's really pretty. I mean, this is where we're going. We've been talking about this, and it's going to be a new season for us as a church. And those that have been here, that have given, you've been serving, this, this is where we're going, and it's because of your faithfulness. But it w- we didn't start like that, did it? Show them the next picture, guys. This is how it started. <laughs> This is when we, we first came here, and this was a family entertainment, you know, building with an arcade, and this was a bowling alley, and we thought, you know what, this could be a church. And those 130 people that were with us at that time, and that served, and they painted, and they fixed up, and they gave, and they were part of something at the very beginning here that, that God has blessed and, and, has, and has flourished, and it's grown into what it is today. And but even this isn't where we started. Where, where I really started is, is here. This is, this is Grace Baptist Church. This is where I came to know Jesus. This is where God called me to preach. It's where God allowed me to lead the student ministry at a church and they built a new auditorium and and this room became the student ministry building and so I led the student ministry here and hundreds of kids gave their life to Jesus in in here under our leadership and just over 30 kids committed to full-time ministry in that room. My wife was was saved here. So this this is an important place for me. This is where I first met Landon, this is where God saved him, where God called him into ministry. This is where God saved Taylor Knight, our young adults pastor and production manager, and he he came to know Christ there, and God called him into ministry in that room, and it's where I first met Pastor James. It's where Zach Shaddix, our our um, graphics guy. It's where I first met him. It's where, where Blake Hester, the guy that was leading us today in worship, he was standing over here. It's where God saved him, where God called him into ministry. And so God was, was birthing Foothills Church years ago in that room before we even had a clue. And so I'm grateful for the people that created that church that cared about brick and mortar, that cared about building buildings, that cared about creating space and giving to building campaigns. And it's because they cared and it's because they wanted to leave a legacy of faith into this next generation that I showed up and God changed my life and where God called me into ministry and he called Taylor and Landon and several others it's where I watched my mom and dad serve faithfully as leaders in that church for 30 plus years. Why? Because they wanted to leave a legacy of faith. They wanted to be a part of a place that was establishing a legacy of faith. And just as Joshua called on the people to make a decision in chapter 24, I want to call on you to make a decision today.
who you're going to serve? And are you willing to leave a legacy of faith by investing in this vision along with me and our elders and our staff today? When you walked in in your seats, there should be a, an envelope and a card. If you would, I'd ask you to go ahead and, and take that card. And I just want to explain it and just want to ask you to begin to fill it out if you haven't already done that. Uh, the top box here says uh, Generosity Sunday gift. That's today. And so uh, whatever God has led you as we've been praying about this for several weeks now, what has God led you to give today? This is your one-time gift today. And then the next section, it says commitment. And, and that's the ongoing commitment that you're going to commit to give either per week or per month or per year. And, and then that final box is your, your total gift. And on the flip side of that is just basic information. And I want to ask you, if you haven't already, to begin to fill that out with me right now. And we're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to ask you to come and put it in one of these giving stations that are here at the front today. Would you join me in taking a moment to fill this out? And I ask God's blessing upon this gift and this offering. And then I'll ask you to stand and make your commitments. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we are humbled by your presence. We're grateful, Lord, for the way in which you have blessed us. We're grateful, Lord, for your provision. We're grateful for how you have called us to serve you in this place. And Lord, we pray that we will be found faithful with the offerings that we make today, however much or however little. I pray that in proportion to the way in which you've blessed us, we would be found faithful. We ask God that you would multiply this offering, that you would use it to raise up missionaries and church planners and pastors and women and men who are leaders in God's church here in this city and all around the world. We pray for a passion to worship and serve the glory of God. And Lord, we pray that this church would always be a beacon of light in this city. That even when my day as pastor is gone, even when those in this room have gone on to be with the Lord, this would be a church that is a gospel-centered light that preaches and teaches the truth of God's word and where men and women are called to faith and called to big visions because we serve a big God who's not gonna stop building his kingdom until Jesus returns. May this be a city that experiences a church that is united around that endeavor and that kingdom and that vision. 
And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.